right, football is back. Here we are, week one in the Steelers cast on timesonline.com. I'm Steelers writer Chris Bradford, joined as always by Chris Mueller, helping me out this season with the Steelers. Looking ahead to this week's uh, season opening game at FedEx Field against the Washington Redskins, primetime game. Uh, NFC East champions against the Steelers, a team a lot of people have pegged to be, you know, a Super Bowl contender, if not the Super Bowl champion. And here we are, we're talking about injuries already. Yeah. You got, obviously, you got... uh, Javon Hargrave now joins that list. He looks mm-hmm. like he might be questionable with a knee injury. Mike Tomlin saying today he's day to day. Doesn't sound uh, doesn't sound too promising for him. That's on top of Cam Hayward and Marcus Gilbert. Yeah. On top of Sequez Golson. Sequez Golson. Bud Dupree. You know, Darius Green. Darius Green. Bell. <laughs> all Bud over Dupree. the place. All over the place. There's uh, injuries at key positions. You know, from guys that the Steelers were really looking upon to to step up this year and have productive seasons. Maybe some more. Um, they were relying on than others, but yeah, it's it's never a good thing to have injuries in week one before they've even started playing. Now, granted, there's nothing like season-ending, uh, devastating like Pouncey a year ago, but still, uh, you know, you don't want to see these kinds of things. They're all different. I mean, Hargrave, I wouldn't be too concerned about either. I think Gilbert's going to play. I think Cam Hayward should be out there. I don't know how much capacity, but I mean. Uh, we'll see, you know, how, how they kind of look to combat some of these injuries. One that I think is the most devastating, though, is definitely Bud Dupree. And just that he's going to start the season out on IR. Could be designated for return, as Tomlin said today. But, I mean, he's still a major question mark. We haven't even seen him that much during the preseason. No, and that's, you know, I think that does create an opportunity for Jarvis Jones. Creates an opportunity for Anthony Ciccolo. Uh, yeah. Last year, Jarvis Jones played 41% of the snaps, approximately. Looks like he's going to have to get that number bumped up. James Harrison is still there. Arthur Moats is still there. Yeah. You know, Anthony Ciccolo, he's kind of, you know, the X factor there. I don't know how much the Steelers want to put him in there. Mike Tomlin's saying they are going to use him, but I, I don't see him taking on that big a role this early in his career. No, but, I mean, I did look. Uh, Arthur Moats has 39 career starts in, in the NFL, and, I mean, he's he's been a, a, a productive player for the Steelers. I mean, I don't think that at that spot is really going to be, you know, all too concerning just because of what they do have behind him. Anthony Ciccolo showed a lot during training camp in terms of, make, you know, taking the next step pretty much alongside Bud Dupree. It was always the both of them talked about. They both lost 20 pounds. They both uh, were now heading into their second season, a year removed from everything they learned as a rookie. But, I mean, I wouldn't be all too concerned just because the Steelers' front seven in general is is very good. I mean, when we start from the D-line to the inside linebacking depth and everything like that. Another thing to keep an eye on is which side they play on. We saw during the preseason where Jarvis Jones was playing left side and Moats on the right side. Yeah, I'm not sure how that's going to work out. Uh, it looks like they could play either side. Tomlin's saying that might be a fluid situation. Of course, the other big news this week, the Steelers bring in Justin Gilbert, formerly of the Cleveland Browns. They trade him for a six-round draft pick. Mm-hmm. Seems like a win-win situation for the Steelers. I'm not ready to say that's a great trade for them. I think that remains to be seen what happens with Gilbert this season, but really not taking much of a risk here. I mean, no, they gave up, what, a 2018 sixth-round pick? I mean, it's not, yeah, it's very low risk. And uh, we're talking about a guy that was drafted eighth overall, seven picks above uh, Ryan Shazier in the 2014 draft. So, I mean, he's still got you know, a, a lot of room or a lot of time where he can develop into the player that people thought he was, that the Browns certainly thought he was coming out of Oklahoma State. And, I mean, I just see it as a win-win. It adds depth to the secondary, and it's it's a low risk. They didn't give up much to get him. Now, I do have my own reservations about Justin Gilbert. I think the Steelers definitely should have got a veteran cornerback. Yeah. You know, this guy obviously has a lot more potential and upside than anything that was they probably could have gotten, and certainly not for a six-round pick. Uh, the questions with Gilbert, 
in Cleveland, there was talk that Johnny Manziel, who was also the first-round pick in 2014, was actually more reliable than Gilbert. <laughs> so that should tell you a lot about Justin Gilbert. And the fact is that the Steelers are inviting in this distraction. The Steelers have had, over the last, we'll say, season and a half, no shortage of distractions from Le'Veon Bell and Martavis Bryant and the James Harrison thing and you yeah. name it. This time they're inviting one in with Justin Gilbert, and I sort of have a problem with that. And to the, you know, Bell and Bryant and those other distractions, well, you know, they, they're they good players. I mean, Justin mm-hmm. Gilbert has never proven that he's any good at the NFL level. Yeah, and I mean, it's with him, I mean, I, I wouldn't exactly call it a distraction just because they're bringing a guy in for a clean slate on a new uh, team in a secondary where he's going to be alongside veterans like Will Gay and Mike Mitchell who are really kind of the, the blueprint of how to approach, how to be a professional, how to take care of your body. So, I mean, I don't I don't see it as much as a distraction. Now, how much do I think he'll help and be able to aid in this secondary based off how he's played in Cleveland the past two years? I don't see a lot. But he also brings a kick return aspect to that it. That might be his best. That might, yeah. Best, uh, he was he was already listed as a second as a backup kick returner on the depth chart. And I mean, you look at his Oklahoma State uh, highlight tapes, and he he could really return kicks. He set a record at six uh, kick return touchdowns, you know, in his career there. All right. When we come back, we'll be talking to Lake Lewis Jr. He is a senior writer and editor for the USA Today. Uh, Sports Media Group's Redskins Wire site. He covers the Washington Redskins. We'll talk a little bit about Monday night's big game. I uh, hope you'll join us when we come back. Welcome back to Steelers Cast on TimesOnline.com. Chris Bradford and Chris Mueller talking now about the, a little bit of the out-of-town perspective. We're joined on the phone by Lake Lewis Jr., who covers the Redskins for the USA Today Sports Media Group, the Redskins Wire site. Welcome, Lake. Hey, how are you guys doing? I appreciate you having me on. Uh, good. Uh, Lake, first thing we want to know, with uh, the Redskins going from uh, worst to first last season and winning the uh, NFC East, What's, have they raised the bar in Washington? What is the vibe around the nation's capital about this team? Uh, everyone feels great. I mean, they're a young football team that had some success last year. And people are aware of the fact that they didn't have the toughest schedule, uh, you know, last year. And on top of that, you know, they got a lot of breaks as far as the division with some of the injuries to the Cowboys and Giants and, you know, the whole Chip Kelly fiasco in Philadelphia. So fans are aware of that, but they like the fact that, you know, there's a coach here and there's a GM here that are getting along together and there's a plan in place and they're, they're accruing a lot of young talent. So, you know, the hopes are really high here in D.C. for this team to be able to, you know, repeat as far as NFC East champions. Uh, we're obviously familiar with Jay Gruden from his time as the offensive coordinator in Cincinnati. Uh, he and Mike Tomlin obviously go back uh, together in their days in the Tampa Bay. How much credit does uh, Jay Gruden get for uh, the turnaround in Washington? I think he's starting to get a lot now. Um, I think even up to the end of last year, people you know wanted to just bypass him and go to Scott McClellan, you know, as the guy that's bringing in this town and making some nice trades, you know, along the line. But at the end of the day, you still have to have a coach that can coach the guys up and. You know, and talking with a lot of young players on the team, they really like the fact that with Gruden, they know their place. You know, he, he's very similar to a Mike Tomlin in that they'll, they'll, they'll joke with you, they'll play around with you, but at the end of the day, they'll also scold you <laughs> if you're not doing well and not losing any sleep over it either. So it's a fine balance there, and I think a lot of guys respect that with him because they know where they stand, good and bad. And he seems to have, you know, taken over this team as the true 
face of the Redskins. Hey, late Chris Mueller uh, with TimesOnline.com. My question, you know, the decision to go with uh, Kirk Cousins over RG3 back then, it may not have been the most popular with the fan base, but whatever doubts there were with Cousins have been silenced. What do you think uh, changed, you know, last year, maybe finally started to click with him? You know, this is a great question, and and I think a lot of it had to do with Sean Jackson, believe it or not, because, uh, you know, he came back from a – he basically in training camp last year, he hurt his hamstring, and he tweaked it again in uh, the week one loss against the Dolphins, and he was out for seven games. And for those seven games, you know, you heard grumblings because Cousins wasn't throwing the ball down the field at all. You heard grumblings like Robert could do this. You know, RB3 could do this. They're not doing anything special with the offense. And it was because they had a deep threat where everyone would just, you know, stack the line and take the runaway. Well, when Deshaun Jackson came back, the offense in general just clicked. I mean, Cousins threw over the final seven games of the season uh, for for 2,400 yards. I mean, that's... He was he was putting the ball up, and Jordan Reed emerged, and that was one of the big things because Deshaun could blow the top off the defense where you had Jordan Reed, and then you also had another kid, Jamerson Crowder, underneath. He was a rookie that had 59 catches. So I think when Deshaun came back and you saw their full arsenal on offense, you saw how good Kirk Cousins could be, and there's no reason to think he can't throw for over 4,000 yards again considering they added Vernon Davis. It looks like he's found the fountain of youth. Uh, and then also they have Josh Doxson, who's healthy now. So they have more weapons at his disposal. So, yeah, speaking of Doxson, he will, be, will he be playing Monday night? Yeah, I think he will. Uh, as far as how much that remains to be seen, and I don't think that's because of an injury. It's just because of the fact that he, he really hasn't played much, so they don't, you know, they, they're not sure if they know how they want to incorporate him into the offense. And let's face it, when they drafted him, even though it was a first-round pick, he was coming to a team with a pro bowler and a, a franchise record holder, Pierre Garçon. So you knew that his touches were going to be limited. But I think he'll make his big impact, at least, you know, initially. I think he'll make his impact in the red zone because he's a 6'2 guy that has a 46-inch vertical. You can always use that in the red zone. Right. Like you mentioned Jordan Reed, the uh, tight end. That's always been sort of the, uh, the Steelers' Achilles heel with that defense. Uh, last year was his breakout year. How good is he and you know, what's the ceiling for a guy like him? Uh, personally, I think Jordan Reed, and, and not just because I, I'm here, know the guy. I just seeing what he does. He is, in my opinion, the second best tight end in football. You know, there's Rob Gronkowski, and then there's everyone else. I think Jordan Reed's the second best. I mean, I think Gary Barnage and Cleveland's pretty good as well. But if you look at, you know, what he can do, you know, he's a basketball player first and foremost. He, you know, and obviously that's the trend now as tight ends. You know, it goes back to Antonio Gates. But he's a guy that has great footwork. And on Monday night, you'll see some Steelers linebackers struggle to stay with him because he's very shifty and elusive once he is in open space. So I think he can have a special year this year. He had 86 catches last year. Really, you know, a chunk of those came in that second half of the season. So if he can start off strong, there's no reason to think that he couldn't be the starting tight end for the NFC in the Pro Bowl this year. Of course, the, the biggest offseason addition for the Redskins this year was uh, Josh Norman, formerly of the Carolina uh, how did Norman look in the preseason, and how does he fit in on the Redskins? You, you know, it's, uh, I'm glad you asked that because I've been trying to clear the air for a lot of people out there. <laughs> you know, the word that started trickling out from training camp was how bad he was getting beat by Deshaun Jackson. And I was just, you know, I was there every day, so I'm thinking to myself, really, is this true? No, it's not. Uh, first of all, when you're playing against a guy like Jackson, who's one of the fastest, if not the fastest guy in the league, 
you're going to have tough times. Um, you're going to have times where, you know, in one-on-one drills, those drills are made, made for the receivers to win. I mean, there's no safety over the top. There's there's no linebackers underneath, so they can run wherever they want. But after he started figuring out Jackson a little bit, you saw that gap close. You started to see him become dominant in practice. And I think that he's going to be better by having to check a guy like Jackson every day in practice. He didn't have that in Carolina. So we'll find out a lot about him Monday because, obviously, Antonio Brown, in my opinion, is the best player in the NFL, and I, and I seriously mean that. I think he's going to have his hands full, but we'll see how that matchup goes. Blake, looking at uh, the NFC East, it's been pretty wide open, uh, and especially now you have two rookie quarterbacks that will be starting in Dak Prescott and now Carson Wentz. The Redskins, they haven't had consecutive playoff appearances in almost 25 years. Do you think this is the year that they can do that? I do. I, I really do. I mean, I know you, you guys are probably thinking this guy's so Redskins positive. Uh-huh. I, I just I think everything's there for them, and the fact is that, yes, Carson Wentz is a rookie, and I think he's going to be a really good player. But he's initially going to have some struggles. That's just the nature of the business. Dak, uh, Zach, Dak, uh, Dak Prescott, same thing. I think he's going to have some issues in Dallas initially where he just makes rookie mistakes. However, he has a lot of talent around him, so his mistakes may not be as grave as you'll see You know, Carson Wentz. And then with New York, the question is, which Eli are you going to get? Are you going to get the Eli that, that doesn't throw the ball away, or are you going to get an old Eli Manning with a, a team that's aging. So I think the Redskins have put themselves in really good position here. Uh, they, they looked so dominant down the stretch against teams like the Cowboys, against teams like the Eagles, that I think they feel like they can beat them, you know, straight up, you know, with everyone being equal. I think they feel like they're the best team in that division, and they're going to have every ample opportunity to show it because their first four games are ridiculously tough. So we'll know everything about the Redskins after the first quarter of their season. Speaking about one of those uh, ridiculously tough games, uh, Monday night's game at FedEx Field, who do you like and why? Well, (laughs) that's been the the magic question for me for literally the last month. Um, I've said this before. Pittsburgh is the better football team. Let's, Let's make sure that's clear. They're the better football team. They're the team that I'm actually predicting to win the Super Bowl. However, I actually think the Redskins win this first game. And I think not having Le'Veon Bell is just one facet of it. Uh, You know, if you look at Pittsburgh's pass defense, your defensive line, they can get after it. I'm not sold on the secondary in Pittsburgh at all. And I think that that's where the Redskins may be able to exploit that defense. If Kirk Cousins has an adequate game and they are able to put the ball in the air effectively, I'm taking the Redskins to win the game. And I'll say this, better get Pittsburgh week one than to get Pittsburgh in week 11 or 12. That may have been a different story. Well, like I don't think you're, there's no shortage of people complaining about the Steelers' secondary, but uh, I do appreciate you uh, taking the time to join us today. Thanks a lot, guys. I appreciate it. All right, take care. We appreciate Lake Lewis joining us. You can follow him on Twitter, on Twitter at Lake Lewis, and also you can follow his writing at redskinswire.usatoday.com. When we come back, we'll be uh, giving you our three keys to the Steelers game against the Redskins in Washington and a look at the uh, predicting the AFC standings. 
Okay, welcome back to the Steelers cast on timesonline.com. Right now we're introducing our new segment. It's called The Steelers' Three Keys to Victory. Not a very original title, but uh, it's pretty self-explanatory what the Steelers need to do in order to win this one, in this case week one, at Washington. And I think we agree that the number one thing the Steelers have to do, Antonio Brown in particular, is he has to win his individual matchup which we assume is going to be with Josh Norman. Yeah, I mean, it's what all the eyes are going to be on A.B. versus Norman. It's going to be uh, really – it's going to be great to watch. They're two competitive, fiery guys. I mean, we saw with Norman and uh, Odell Beckham Jr. a year ago, you know, how much they went at it, and it's going to be the same type of thing, I think, because you know how Antonio Brown handles himself on the field, but how he handles uh, going up against, you know, some kind of elite-level talent, you know, across from him is going to be interesting. Yeah, I, th- I think Antonio Brown, obviously no stranger to facing elite-level cornerbacks. He may face double teams, triple teams, whatever. Whatever defenses are going to throw out at him, you know. Obviously, Josh Norman has moved into that conversation with the year he had last season with Carolina. Uh, I look for Antonio Brown to win this one. Not yeah. a knock on Josh Norman, but the way Antonio Brown has played the last few years, you know, it was only Richard Sherman who uh, shut him down last season, and I, I think that's a special uh, a case where yeah. you know I think Richard Sherman is still, you know, obviously maybe not what he was, but I still think he's you know maybe the best cover corner in the game. That's going to be important also for uh, AB to kind of you know keep keep his head because that's kind of what don't be OBJ Norman's mo is just getting it inside your head you know getting people frustrated you know extracurricular uh, activity after the whistle so that you know he doesn't want any penalties doesn't want to start the season with a, a personal foul and sportsmanlike conduct because those add up over the course of the uh, season and you know he can't really afford that but other other than that I mean I think the offense will go into our second key they're really just going to have to play their game you would say Chris. And I think even more than the office, I think it's defensively as well. I think if the Steelers can, you know, play their game, situational football, you know, win third down, avoid the penalties, none of the turnovers. You know, those have usually been, you know, the hallmarks of the Steelers' losses, and, you know, at least especially last year. You yeah. know, I think the Steelers should be in good shape. I think they have enough talent, certainly more so than Washington, where I think, you know, that's why they're a team that's supposed to win a Super Bowl. And, you know, playing on the road, it's going to be important for them to try to take the crowd out of it early with some, you know, early touchdowns in the first half. I mean, you, you referenced the 2008 game in D.C. where this, a lot of the players thought, I mean, that was probably one of the best uh, Steelers away crowds that they've ever seen in their career, you know, down uh, in FedEx Field. So, I mean, anytime you're on the road, especially a Monday night, a primetime game, it's going to be loud. It's going to, you know, you're not going to be able to hear a lot. And it, it would be good at least to just take the crowd out of it early uh, in order to, you know, in the second half when it might matter most. And if the Steelers can shut down Jordan Reed, that would certainly go a long way into shutting down that, that crowd down there in D.C. Uh, Lake Lewis mentioned earlier about him. I'm not quite sure. He, there's Gronkowski and then him. Yeah. He's in that mix of guys, that of other tight ends out there who can you mm-hmm. know, do damage. And certainly the Steelers are no stranger to that because it seems like every tight end, good tight end, you know, the playmaking, receiving tight end has done damage to the Steelers. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be it's the secondary as a whole is going to be very important. I mean, obviously, Lake said, everyone has said that it's the major question mark surrounding this defense. And, I mean, with the receiving core that Red, that Washington has with uh, Deshaun Jackson and Pierre Garçon and Doxon, uh, with Reed combined in that, I mean, it's going to fall a lot on, I think, Ryan Shazier and the rookie Sean Davis in the slot. I mean, making his homecoming. He, he grew up in D.C., told me that he, he went to RFK Stadium, you know, a lot growing up watching Redskins games. So I think those two, importantly, when you're matched up on Reed in certain uh, situations, they're going to play a huge part in it. I'd also like to see who gets Deshaun Jackson, who draws that assignment, because, you know, speedy guy, small Will guy, Gay. Will Gay, I, yeah. I assume it's going to be Will Gay. I don't think they're going to put Ross Cockrell on him on the outside. No, and I don't think it's going to be Artie Burns, not yet, nah. and I don't think it's going to be Justin Gilbert, because he's not going to have enough time, but, uh, you know, if it goes well, it'll be a, a pretty good start for the Steelers, who, ha- of course, have their uh, sights set on the AFC North division mm-hmm. title, but also the AFC title and then the Super Bowl. 
Mm-hmm. We're going to talk now a little bit about the AFC standings. We did the NFC last week. We're just going to breeze through them here. Who do we like in each division? All right, we'll go with the AFC North last just, you know, because. Make mm-hmm. it a little more interesting. But we'll yeah. look at the uh, AFC East, and, of course, that's been the domain of the New England Patriots now for almost 15 years, something like that. So mm-hmm. we like New England again despite Brady's suspension. Yeah, I think uh, Jimmy Garoppolo holds it down until Tom Brady comes back, and then you can't you can't pick against the Patriots just for how dominant they've been in, in this division. Uh, you know, they're, they're, as always, a legitimate Super Bowl contender alongside with the Steelers. But then underneath them, uh, I, I gotta go with the Bills at two. I mean, I just think I like what Rex Ryan's doing. I think there's too much uncertainty with the Jets and their whole uh, quarterback situation. I mean, Fitzpatrick will be there, but you know, can he really you know expand upon his year last year? And so, I mean, I like Tyrod Taylor. I like Rex Ryan's defense. What he's brought up in Buffalo at two. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with what you're saying. I, I might switch the Jets and Buffalo. I still kind of like the Jets a little bit, but I think if Rex Ryan's job is in jeopardy, like some are suspecting it might be if they don't get off to a good start, I think the players are going to really try to play for him. Yeah. And you, we know Rex Ryan has kind of a charismatic personality that uh, his players like to win for him. Then we move to the AFC South. Who do we got there? I mean, it's really a toss-up. I, I, I'm going with Houston just because, you know, of what they did. They overachieved a year ago, and now they have Brock Osweiler at the helm. Uh, you know, you got to like it, at least that aspect. And Bill O'Brien, I think he's a great coach. I'm a big fan of him. So I'd put them at one over the Colts. I'm going with the Colts only because I think, you know, Andrew Luck coming back, I think they, you know, last season was kind of an uh, aberration for yeah. them. I think they're a better team than what they showed. I suspect they'll be back on top. But I also do like Jacksonville. I really so do, do I. I love what Jacksonville has done in the draft. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to be the, the team to beat. Maybe not this year, but I think as early as next season. Definitely on the up. Definitely on the up there. Then we move to the AFC West, and that's that's a little more interesting out there. That's uh, yeah, I think that's toss up territory. I'm gonna I'm I mean it might not be popular, but I say Oakland Raiders make a make a jump in in this division. I mean, I mean Denver Broncos they're starting an undrafted rookie at quarterback. Granted, they have you know Super Bowl caliber defense, but I just don't see them you know kind of making that repeat uh, without Peyton Manning. And I think Oakland with uh, you know Carr and Jack Del Rio running running the the show there and Amari Cooper they got some weapons on the outside and on defense you have Khalil Mack who is a legitimate uh, defensive player of the year candidate I mean I just think that this is is their year to kind of you know take the division by storm yeah I've seen a lot of people take Oakland and I can certainly see why they do have yeah. some talent on both sides of the ball I don't know I'm, I'm going Kansas City I'm just throwing a, a Andy Reid I'm an Andy Reid guy from way back so I'm going to take Big Red in his clock management I think they're <laughs> going to uh, sneak one out but now, of course, we turn to the, the division I think everybody has their eyes set on, at least here in Pittsburgh, and that is the AFC North. Mm-hmm. And I think we're, I think, unanimously in agreement that uh, Pittsburgh is the team to beat in that division. Yeah, they are. I mean, just based off, you know, everything that's that's come together this year, their performance last year. I mean, you know who it's going to come down between Cincinnati and Pittsburgh, uh, really. It, it's a battle. I'm looking forward to both of those games, you know. But um, you can't really vote against the Steelers, I think, in the, in this division. I mean, you look, maybe the Ravens could. I think it's going to be a toss-up for two with the Bengals and Baltimore. Um, but I think Baltimore does have a little bit of a bounce-back season. But you got to go with Pittsburgh. Yeah, I like the Steelers to win the division. I like Cincinnati. I still like them on paper. I'm just kind of wondering where they're at mentally with all the, the, all the playoff losses, whether they start to add up, and especially the way they, they ended their season last year against the Steelers yeah. in the wild card. I think Baltimore will be better. 
I'm not sure they're a playoff team. There's no chance they have the kind of injuries that they had last season with Suggs and Flacco and Steve Smith and everybody else. And then I think Cleveland, that's the bottom of the barrel. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but I'm not ready to write them off. I just think that the fact that they – I'm not saying they're going to come close to winning the contender to win a division. <laughs> I'm just saying with Hugh Jackson in there, RG3, they got some weapons. I was looking. They got they got a couple weapons on the outside. Well, that's all we got for today. Hope you follow us all week uh, on timesonline.com. We'll be coming to you on Thursday. When we'll have our weekly video, we'll be looking at after the Steelers practice when we should have a pretty good idea of who is playing and who is not. Uh, we hope you join us then. We'll be covering the game Sun or Monday night, rather. Don't want to get that confused. Monday night at FedEx Field in Washington. You can follow us along on Twitter. I'm at BCT Bradford. And Chris, you at, are? I'm at by Chris Mueller. We'll catch you next time.